Good morning. We are in part three of Faith Works, talking about faith in our lives, a fall of faith, talking about how God desires for us to have faith, and not a faith that is something that you just talk about, but really a functional faith. So this morning we're going to be in Romans chapter 4, starting in verse 18, and uh, you can follow along as I read it out loud. This is how it begins. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became. Now I want to stop just for a moment here because isn't it so true that we always become what we believe? If you see yourself as a grasshopper in your promised land, you will never take possession of it, not because it isn't yours, but because you never saw yourself as the rightful owner. It's true. What you believe eventually will reflect in what you become. And this says that Abraham believed and so he became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old. Now, I wouldn't blame him for thinking this way if he's 100 years old. And then it says, and Sarah's womb was also dead. So what we're looking at here is in Romans, it's telling us about an impossible situation from every side. Because God's saying, you're going to have a child. And not only a child, you're going to be the father of many nations. And Abraham is 100. And Sarah's womb is dead. And this is an impossible situation. And so it says, Abraham, he faced the fact Yet he did not waver their unbelief regarding the promises of God, but was strengthened in his faith. I pray that when you come to church, you being here at church this morning, that you would be strengthened, that this would be your spiritual gym, that uh, this would be your original CrossFit, is uh, sort of what I, I like to think of it as um, cross, cross, CrossFit for your spirit. Come on, people. Yeah. <laughs> but, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power. God had power to do what he had promised. So this morning as we talk, I want to speak from the subject of it is what it is, but it's not what it seems. So let's start with prayer. Father, we thank you so much. Your word, God, I thank you for this thing called faith that you have given us, that you have put into our lives, Lord, and I thank you that you explain it time and time again through your word, and that we can grasp onto what faith is, be functional, functional in our faith, and not just look at faith, but, but act out faith, Jesus. So I pray this morning that in our lives, Lord, in the areas that we struggle to have faith, that you would just fill us up, that you would strengthen us, that, that we would be doing um, exercises and, and dumbbell lifts in faith, in strengthening who you've called us to be. Lord, we believe it, we expect it, and we know that you're here with us, and we ask these things in your name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Have you ever walked into a, a really intense argument, and it's super awkward, and you're like, I gotta, I want to leave, but I really don't because I want to see what happens here. It's super awkward, and you're like, oh my goodness, should I leave? Should I stay? Well, Romans 4, as we walk into this um, conversation that Paul is having, what's happening here is Paul is giving a case against the Pharisees because these Pharisees, some of them actually became Christians. 
But they, what they had an issue with is they wanted people to do an outward act to complete their salvation. My voice keeps almost cracking, and I don't know if it's because I'm almost thir I am 36 now, but if it really cracks, you can laugh because I'll laugh and I'll, no, I'll be good. But he's, he's in this situation where he's trying to plead with these people and saying, listen, it's not about circumcision. It's not about what you can do with your hands because Paul knows that no matter what you do with your hands, it's not about what you do that can complete your salvation. It's about what God, what Jesus has already done. And so he's talking about um, this idea of not looking at salvation by works. And he presents us with this amazing doctrine that has never really been put to words before. It's called justification by faith. It's never quite been presented this way before. And Paul, what he's saying is you have to come to Jesus on your knees. You can't walk to him. You can't fix it. You can't make it right on your own. It has to be by what Jesus has done for you, not by your works. Faith or works are a byproduct of your faith, but they can't bypass your faith. And so in the middle of this argument that Paul is having on what it means to have faith, he brings in Abraham as an example. Now Abraham, throughout the scriptures, he's called the father of faith. Um, all the Jews would have known him as the father of faith, um, but he never saw his faith come to fruition. He, he never saw the end result of his faith. He was given a promise, and he believed in faith, but he was the father of faith. He had a son, one son. In these times, to have one son become a father of many nations, that was very hard to believe because you were lucky if you had ten sons and like half of them actually survived to uh, be able to have kids. And, and so he has one son. His son's name is Isaac. Isaac has a son whose name is Jacob. Jacob is renamed by God to be Israel. From the people of Israel, Jesus is born. And out of Jesus, our faith is complete. Amen. You see, sometimes you and I are a part of a bigger picture. And God can give you a promise, but you might never even see the end result of that promise. You might be a person in the life of somebody who sees the end result of that promise. Or you might be somebody who's in the life of the life of somebody who sees that promise. That's what it means to be the father of faith. That's what Abraham is. He's the father of faith. And it really it takes faith to believe from this perspective. To believe that, that there is a promise and I'm believing that my son will have a son who will have many generations after him. And through those generations, Jesus will be born and the promise will be fulfilled. It takes faith to have that perspective. And so this is the framework that Paul puts us into. That, this is the framework. Last week we talked about frames. Remember talking about frames? Have you ever like gone like this like to make a frame around like somebody? Can you turn to your neighbor and just with making a frame and say, how's your frame been this week? <laughs> say, how's your frame? I'll look at someone else and say, get out of my but Abraham, he enters into the frame of the topic of faith, and, and Paul, he gives a summary of the story of Abraham. Now, when you give a summary, it's very important to figure out what you want to put into the summary of the story, but it's also important to figure out what you're going to leave out of the story as well. 
Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was reading a story to my kids. We had all these library books, and I'm like, hey, read me a story, read me a story right before bed. And so I was like, okay. So I'm reading this story, and like I open it up, and I'm thinking it's going to have big words, and it's super small <laughs> font, and I'm like, oh, no, this is going to be a long story. And so I start reading the story, and after like four or five pages, I'm totally getting bored. And I can tell my kids are getting bored, too. And so I just start summarizing and making things up and making the story really fun because the story was not fun and it was not going anywhere. I don't even know how I got published, but anyway. So I'm making the story up and it's a lot of fun, um, but, but I'm summarizing it. And, and we look at the story of Paul talking about Abraham. He's summarizing the story, but he's speaking it out to us. And, and I was speaking this story to my kids and I was using different voices and making it funny. And it just like brought life to the story. Um, do you remember the last time somebody read you a story? No, like a long, long time ago? I had a, a program when I was in college, and it would read the Bible to me, which was great. It had all these different voices, so you could like pick if you wanted a voice or this voice, and what like sounded good to you or what sounded bad to you. Um, no, if you ever get a program like that, and there's a child's voice, because sometimes there's children's voice, in this program there's a child's voice, and then I had it read me Revelation. Bad idea. That is the creepiest thing. Oh, no. Yeah, it's like, and out of the sea came these dragons with ten heads and seven horns. And you're like, oh my gosh. You want to like crawl into a corner and like cry. Get this out of my head. It's just so scary. But there were some voices I just couldn't handle. That being one of them. But there was another voice that was this like older German guy. And it was very a strong voice. And I just, I couldn't handle the voice. I felt like I needed to cry and go repent. And, and I just felt like I needed to go watch a Disney movie because it made me happy. Um, but then there was other voices that were great. And there's this one voice. It was a, um, a British lady's voice, female voice. And it just made everything feel great and happy. And like life was going to be okay. And like it could read Sodom and Gomorrah and be like, oh, what a great story. It's going to feel so good. But my point is, that the plots, the stories, the truths, the characters that are experienced are through the voice that I would pick. And um, that voice would cause me to feel things. And I believe that in every single one of our lives that, that we have an internal narrator. A narrator who's going to tell you how to think about things in your life and, and how to, to interpret a situation or interpret an encounter. Um, maybe it'll be, what is that person's motive or, or what is going on in my life and, and what does that expression mean or that body language. And, and I think a lot of times what every single one of us need is a new narrator to our story. Because if you see that your narrator is always whining or angry or negative or complaining or suspicious all the time of everything that's going around you in your life, you need to find a new voice to listen to. I need to find a new voice to listen to. Because that voice that you've been listening to, it's exhausting. It's the old German guy that you're like, oh my gosh, it's the kid reading Revelation. You're like, no. But you don't have to settle for that voice that has been putting negative thoughts into your head day in and day out. You can get a new narrator. You can live your life not based off of feelings anymore and what you're feeling inside and what you feel about the situations and the life that you wake up to every single day. But you can live a life narrated not by that, but by faith. And I can 
live a life narrated by faith. And so my question is, is your life narrated by faith or is it narrated by feelings? And the storyline that we're brought into, the frame that we're brought into, is a story of Abraham. And in Romans, it gives this narrative, it gives this summary of his life, uh, but we only hear part of the story. We hear what's important to God, what God wants to put in the story, but we don't hear what's irrelevant to God in regards to Abraham's faith. If we heard the whole story of Abraham, we'd hear some things and we'd say, I don't really think this guy had very good faith. If I read this story about him, man, this guy had some issues with his faith. Yeah, those stories aren't in Romans 4. There's a story where Abraham, he and his wife, who is very beautiful, they go and he's super afraid of this king for whatever reason, maybe he had a reputation of killing people if he wanted their wife, but he's scared of this king. And so he goes to his wife. This totally would not go over well with my wife if I did this. He goes, hey, Sarah. Um, I'm going to tell them that you're my sister so that they don't kill me. Now, my wife would smack me upside the head and tell me what is wrong with you. But I would look at this story and be like, this is not a superhero of faith in my book. There's another story where Abraham, he's waiting for his promised son. And he ends up sleeping with his wife's servant because he doesn't think that this is going to happen with his wife. And so I've got to help God out. And so he didn't want to wait on God's timing and God's power. And so he tried to make things happen. I mean, this is a serious lack of faith. All of these things happen in the life of the father of faith. However, you're never going to see this story. Either of these stories in Romans chapter 4. And they didn't even factor into what was relevant when it came to Abraham's faith. You see, when you live your, your life narrated by Jesus and by the grace that he gives to every single one of us, even though your story is riddled with failures and disappointments and trip-ups and mistakes, those are not part of your story any longer. If Jesus is your Savior and you subscribe to Jesus, then all of those things that, that you're sort of ashamed of in your life, they don't, they don't calculate, they don't become part of your story when God looks at all the things that contribute to if you have faith or if you don't have faith. See, God sees you and me through a different perspective. So when you look at your life and you say, man, I really screwed up here, and so this makes me less than, or, or not as great of a Christian, or not as great of a faith person, and the enemy tries to point to those things and say, this is who you are, and this is your narrative, what you can say is, enemy, shut your mouth, because that's not part of my story. That's not part of my narrative of faith. Because the enemy, time and time again, will try and point out your flaws and your failures and say, that is who you are. And that is the narrative that we need to get away from and believe in faith that Jesus has given us a new narrative. And those things that the enemy is trying to shame you with are no longer part of your story. Amen. Now, this is tough because they are part of your story. They happen. Yet, when it comes to your faith, they're not part of your narrative. 
They're not part of what God sees as important or crucial to who you are as a person of faith. And I believe that there's actually there's two extremes that we fall into when it comes to faith. And those extremes are either denial or despair. And as we look at the father of faith, I think he was able to avoid both of these things. This denial, both of these extremes, denial and despair. Because in Romans 4.19, what it says is without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact. Now this phrase, it helps me to understand what faith is and what faith is not. Because my faith is not a denial of reality. My faith is facing reality. And I think a lot of times in the world we live in today, there's a lot of teaching on faith that says that everything is okay. Everything's good. There's nothing negative going on. Everything's positive in our lives. And you need to know that not everything has to be positive in your life to have faith. Sometimes you, you need to know that it's not all good. And if you don't know this, or you don't believe this, or you, you think that faith means that I have to have a positive outlook on every single thing in my life, you're quickly going to become frustrated, and you're going to back off, you'll lose heart from the faith that God wants to give you. That's why I have an issue with some people who are just saying, everything's happy, and everything's good. The Bible says, mourn with those who mourn. And so what happens is some people, they'll exercise their faith in order to live in denial, and they'll use their faith as a cop-out to ignore reality. See, sometimes it is what it is. It is what it is. It says Abraham faced the fact that he was 100. It is what it is. He faced the fact that his wife was 90. It is what it is. He knew that this is going to be really, really hard for us to have a kid. It is what it is. Abraham knew that. Sometimes we have to face the fact that there's a reality in front of us. You have to face the fact that you quit halfway through college, and it is what it is. You have to face the fact that you got fired from your job for stealing. Listen, it is what it is. Or because you weren't there on time, time and time again. It is what it is. Or you were immature in your marriage, and, and so now you, you don't have that marriage in, anymore. And, and listen, it is what it is. Or I was foolish with my money and wasted a ton of it that I had or I was given. It is what it is. Listen, you cannot get over what you will not own. Faith doesn't mean living in denial. Faith doesn't mean it's always good. Because there's people in this room who don't have a job. It isn't all good. There's people in this room who've been abused. It's not all good. People who've lost a child. It's not all good. People who grew up without a dad. It's not always good. But we have to understand that the birth place of authentic faith. It's honesty. It's facing your situation. And listen, you can say, Lord, I'm really frustrated right now. I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand why these things happen to me, yet I believe that He can take it. God can take your honesty with Him, but face your reality. Listen, Abraham was told by God, you're going to have a son and Abraham laughed in God's face. Listen, God could take it. He wasn't faced because great faith, even great faith, has weak moments. 
Abraham's faith had times where he fell, and we see that, but it wasn't part of his story. And we have to understand that faith is not a feeling. Faith is a decision. It's not allowing your emotions to control you. It's making the decision that God is God and I am not. And even though what looks like should be dead, I will still have faith because I believe that God is bigger and wiser than I am. Sometimes we just have to rely on our faith and trust in God. Amen. A lot of times we just want to, things get really complicated or bigger than what we think we can handle. And so we just want to close our eyes, ignore the situation, say, I'm just going to have faith. I'm just going to have faith. And what God really wants you to do, He wants you to open your eyes and start to have discipline. Like, are you going to ignore your bills, hoping that God is just going to make them go away? Or are you going to put together a budget and try and figure out how you're going to pay them off? Now, am I saying that God can't get you out of a tough spot? Absolutely not. I've seen God get me out of a lot of tough, tough spots. But there's nothing worse than when somebody uses faith because of their own irresponsible behaviors. And then we say, well, God is causing me to be poor or not have enough money to feed my kids when it has absolutely nothing to do with God. It has everything to do with the fact that you went out gambling last week and you're spending money on things that you shouldn't be spending money on. And, and all these things are, are flowing out of your life and they should be in your budget. Instead, listen, it has nothing to do with God. It has everything to do with you. And until you face it, your faith can't fix it. Until you face it, your faith can't fix it. Because God is not an enabler of bad decisions in your responsible behavior. Amen. So he faced the fact, but he kept his faith. See, a lot of us, we get to a place where, where we're either in denial, or if we actually look at the situation, we fall into despair. Abraham said, says that Abraham faced the fact kept his faith. You see, faith is standing in the middle and making the decision that it is what it is, but it's not what it seems. Right. Abraham narrated his story. The way that he had an outlook on life was through faith. He saw, he saw reality, but he also believed in faith. And it says that he became the father of many nations and that you and I, we're his seed. Now, this idea of seed is used throughout the Bible as a metaphor. Uh, Jesus uses it in a lot of his teachings. Uh, his main use of seeds is seeing what hasn't happened yet. In Matthew 17, 20, it says this. If you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. In Luke 8, 15, Jesus says, but the ones, talking about seed, but the ones, but the seed that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word, now Romans tells us that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word. So those who had faith from the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. So this is saying that faith is a seed. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was going to talk about something as powerful as faith, I don't think I'd use seeds. <laughs> like, seeds seem pretty wimpy to me. I, I don't know. I don't like use 
a skyscraper or Mount Everest or something like that, something big, something uh, formidable, something that you would look at and you would say, wow, that is amazing. And you know, that's just because I wish that my faith looked like a skyscraper. Don't you? Don't you wish that your, your faith was big and, and that you never doubted? You know what? I wish it was as easy to live out my sermons as it is to preach them. <laughs> Ouch. Don't you think it wouldn't be nice if it was e as easy to live out these sermons as it is to write down your notes on the back of your bulletin? <laughs> Thank you. But you see, Jesus says that my faith is like a seed. Go ahead and show, show that picture of a seed for me. Yeah. See that? What is that? That's a tree. That's a tree. No, that's a seed. That's a seed in your life, but it's only a seed that has gone through a process. You see, a seed can be seen as a tree if faith narrates your story. Now, guess what I have in my pocket? I've got trees. I've got trees in my pocket because I can look at these things and obviously this is a metaphor. I can look at the things in my life and God wants to say, you have trees in your pocket meaning that you have a future, that you have a hope. It might seem small. It might seem insignificant. It might seem like it's never going to be anything, but if you allow faith to narrate your story, those trees or those seeds in your pockets, they're actually trees. You just have to believe it. You have to live your life in faith that what you have is more than what you see. That it is what it is, but it's not what it seems. And God wants you to know that the trees in your pocket or the potential in your life, the, the purpose in your life, the promises that God has given you, they're more than what they seem. Amen. But you have to allow your life to be narrated by faith. So the question is, can you see trees in your seeds? Can you see... The savior of the world, the hope of the world in a barren womb. Can you see the savior laying as a baby in a livestock's trough for me? Can you see leadership in a rebellious child? Can you see a blessing from somebody who walked out of your life that you're thinking that was going to be the person you're going to marry? See, we cannot judge a seed by anything except for the narrative of faith that God gives us. There's a story in 1 Kings 18. Elijah, he prays for rain and faith, and he tells his servant, after he's praying for, for rain, he says, go look for a cloud. And so the servant goes, and he comes back, because it hasn't rained forever, and he comes back and he says, there's nothing but blue skies. And so he says, go back again, still nothing. This happened six times. And what the Bible says, and I'm not going to do this because I might pull something, but it says that Elijah, he sat down with his head in between his knees. And I don't know why he did that, but maybe it was because if he would have looked at the sky, just like you look at your situation, um, it says that we walk by faith and not by sight, maybe he had to close his eyes to what was there to see what was supposed to come. And so Elijah's servant, he comes back finally on the seventh time, he says, there's a cloud the size of a man's hand rising up over the horizon. And that was faith. 
And that was the rain that was to come. See, faith is like a cloud the size of a fist. Faith is like a seed, a small seed. And what Jesus says about seeds is when they are planted, when your faith is planted, Jesus says it grows. Amen. In Mark 4, 8, it says, Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, and some 100 times. And I believe that this is a word for somebody here this morning, or probably multiple people here, that it's as small as a seed sitting in your pocket, but when it is planted, it will grow. It's the cloud the size of a man's hand, but when it is planted, it will grow. It's a boy's lunch with five loaves and two fishes, but when it is planted, it will grow. It's a shepherd boy sitting watching his sheep planted in the midst of adversity, just like some of you are planted in the midst of adversity in your life. Saul, is, the king, is trying to kill him time and time again because he's jealous. But when his faith is planted, it grows. See, a, plant, a planted seed goes through a process. Just like you and I, our faith has to go through a process. And the very best situation or story or example that I can come up with when, as far as being planted is when Jesus went to, went to the cross. Because one narration, the narr narrator that needs to go in your life, it says that they buried him and they put him into the ground. But the correct narrative, the correct narration of that story that is based off of faith was not that he was buried, but that he was planted. Because God, he doesn't want to bury your dreams, he wants to plant your dreams. There's a very specific difference between being buried and being planted. And faith will tell you that you are planted where something else in your life, a lack of faith, will tell you that you are buried. When you are buried, it is saying this thing that is buried is not going to come back up. When you are planted, you're saying there's nothing that will keep this thing from coming back up. Amen. That's the difference. If you feel like you're in a state of despair, maybe you're thinking, it hasn't happened yet, it's not going to happen in my life. It's time for me to just give up. I've, I've fallen into this idea of despair, which was supposed to be faith. Maybe it won't happen in the way that you thought it would. Why? Because you have to put your seed, or your dream, or your promise, or whatever God has spoken to you, in the soil of your faith, so that God's dream for your life can come forth. See, seed can never grow in your hands. It will never happen. You have to take that promise, that dream, that thing that God has given you, and you have to let go of it. You have to plant it. Don't ever allow it to be buried. Always allow it to be planted. Not falling into not denial. Not allowing yourself to be given into despair. The only way that Abraham found faith was for his hope to be covered in the soil of an impossible situation. That's how he found faith. 
he faced what it was, knowing it wasn't what it seemed. But didn't he sleep with his, his uh, wife's servant? Yeah, he did. Yeah, that happened. But faith is not defined by what you do in your weak moments. Your faith isn't defined by that condemnation that the enemy is trying to put in your head right now. And in between denial and despair, what we find is our destiny. It's saying my narrative is that God has planted me. Not that he's buried me, but he's planted me. He's planted me in the city I am in. He's planted me in the school that I am. And this is my destiny. That he's planted me in the circumstance that I find myself in. That he's planted me in the church that I find myself in. And I believe that I am not buried in this place. I believe that I am not buried in my situation or where I find myself. But I believe that I am planted there. And there is nothing that can keep me down. Because God will grow me. You have disappointment in your life. It is what it is. There's no need to deny that. Face the fact, just like Abraham did. Yeah, this is an impossible situation. But it is what it is, but it's not what it seems. In Mark chapter 4, uh, there's a story, and I've always read this story. It's the woman with the issue of blood. And in this story, you always read this story thinking, man, this... This is great faith that this woman had in this giant crowd and she had gone from doctor to doctor to doctor trying to figure out what it was and, and they would say it was this or they'd say it was that. Finally she comes to Jesus and he was able to fix it for what it really, really was. A lot of times um, you want to fix things based off of the symptom, but until you get to the root of the issue or the problem, you can run from here to there, from job to job to doctor to doctor for us to to different boyfriend to a different girlfriend to a different church, whatever it might be. But until you find the root of the problem in somebody, Jesus, who can fix that root, it will never be healed. And so looking at this story, uh, this woman, she, she comes to Jesus and she does have faith. And in Mark 5.33, this is what it says. It says, Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, fell at the feet of Jesus, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. See, it was faith, absolutely, that healed her. But it was her honest faith that made her faith authentic said that she told him the whole truth. I think that we need to live facing our fact that, listen, I, I understand it is what it is. This happened. This is, this is what I'm going through. You can do that. You don't have to just bury your head in the sand and pretend it's not there. Face the fact. But face the fact knowing that God's bigger than your situation. And when you do that, you'll never fall into despair. You'll stay right where Abraham was, the father of faith. So I want to leave you with two things this morning. One, come out of denial because it's okay to be honest. God can handle your disappointment. He wants you to speak to him. Jesus wants you to speak to him as a friend. He can handle it, that it is what it is. Just make sure that when you're done telling him how you feel, that you allow him to narrate what happens next. By faith, not by feelings. And please, don't fall into despair. 
Don't allow yourself to fall into despair because whatever you are going through this morning, it is not the end. Don't allow yourself to be buried when God wants you to be planted. Because it is what it is. But by faith, it is not. 